Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, December 10th, 2023, coming at you live from Florida Media in Rockville Center. Got another outstanding show coming up for you tonight. Nick Alberga, host of Leafs Morning Take, writer at the Leafs Nation, and co-host of NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast will be joining us to talk NHL to talk Toronto Maple Loafs with me tonight is Stefan Rosner as always my name is Sean Cuthbert Stefan Rosner how are you I'm doing very well because I'm in a very comfortable sweatshirt Hanukkah gift so it says wow eat sleep hockey right now we did the sleeping we did the eating today so okay we're, we're doing the hockey. We're doing the now. hockey. We're going to try to do the hockey. We're going to try yeah. to do that hockey. A gift every night, buddy? All eight days? How does it work? No, my parents have been away, so they I'm came over and said... I'm a Christmas guy, so... They said, uh, well, I think you know how it works. Do you want me to explain the <laughs> Festival of Lights to you? I, I don't know if we have time. We don't. Um, so anyway, no, one gift is all I get, and I'm happy with it. It's really good. It's a very nice sweater. It's very comfortable. It looks comfortable. Yes. All right, folks, thanks a lot for tuning in. I'm going to tell you all about our wonderful sponsors, starting with... Blue Line Deli and Bagel, satisfy your hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also happy to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And also proud to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law. Ready to fight for you. Check them out at razorandkniff.com. R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F.com for a free consultation. So, Stefan, another successful week here for the New York Islanders. 2-0-1. Doesn't start off great because, well, uh, it was the same song and dance. Groundhog Day once again against the Sharks on Tuesday. They have a 4-1 to lead with about what? I think it was like eight minutes to go in the third period. You're correct. And uh, the Islanders found a way to squander said lead, and they lost to the worst team in the league heading into that game. I believe they still are. 5-4 to in overtime. It wasn't a happy night. For, for the Islanders or their fans. Yeah, I guess the positives yet again are you get the lead. I mean, this is a Sharks team that the Islanders were kind of toying with through the first two periods yeah. there. Where they had, first off, they had chances early in that game where you said, okay, the fact that they didn't go up 3 nothing in the opening five minutes, could this come back to bite them? No pun intended. <laughs> sure. And then you said, okay, you know what? They're in control. Like, they should be okay. And then it was just backdoor wide open, backdoor wide open. Uh, Hartle had himself a fantastic game, a hat trick, but the Islanders just could not cover up in front of goal. They scored two goals with the empty net, and then it goes into overtime, yeah. and I, I don't want to say yeah. it's bad back-checking, but Barzal and, Horv- uh, Barzal and Nelson didn't do a, a lot really to help Sorokin. Sorokin doesn't, <laughs> no. come, up, Sorokin doesn't come up with the save that he, he probably wants. Yes, he was screened, but it was just one of those games where you went into overtime and thinking, oh, if they lose this one, right? Like a- Again, after yeah. you talk about taking steps and things like right. that, to lose right. that one. Again, they came off probably their best. We talked about it. Their, their best win against Florida. Right, the way they held the lead there, and said, "Okay, they're playing the Sharks. Like, mm-hmm. is this a trap game? Can it be a trap game against a team that hasn't really proven to be like an elite team this year? Not really. But you said, okay, they beat Florida. The week ahead of them is it's a tough week. Like, you can play Columbus, you should probably win, and then you're going to play LA to end the week. That's going to be a tough one. So, to it was start, just yeah. I mean, it was so Islanders. I mean, it was very 23-24 Islanders, but just Islanders in general. Like like I tweeted a month ago, like when they when uh, I think Ardo Cal tweeted like uh, the the Sharks are opening the season 08 and 1 and I was like, "Mark 12-5. The Islanders are losing that game." 
I didn't want to be right, but it's just it just felt like one of those games, and and I and I was there, and I have to say, when the Sharks scored the overtime winner, I just like howled laughing because <laughs> it was just like, of course, because this it's just so Islanders. But you know, this is a, a loss that you could have seen. Uh, being something that might have just devastated the team, yeah. and, it, and it could have put them on a little in a little bit of a rut, especially because they've already been very conscious of blowing all the leads. They they finally been acknowledging in the media, saying it can't happen anymore, and obviously they they self destruct against the Sharks in the third period. But little ray of hope, they come back against the Blue Jackets, and not only do they beat them, but they really take it to them in the third period. They actually have a killer instinct. They they run up the score, seven three wins. So. A little encouraging, you know, CBJ isn't exactly one of the better teams in the league either, but to see them bounce back from such a devastating loss to put up the numbers they did against the Jackets was encouraging. Yeah, and if you remember in this game, they went down 2-1 in the second period. If Antilly, that kid, I know Bedard got all the attention, but my God, that kid, talented, he'll be talented obviously for quite some time. He's not going to lose that skill, but the Islanders go down 2-1. They get dominated in their own zone. It seemed like five minutes to just turn over, like four or five defensive zone turnovers. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, Fashing finds Clutterbuck in the low slot. Clutterbuck scores, and somehow this game's tied. Right. Tied at two. Again, the Islanders had nothing going. And then a block shot. Well, they scored, what, three goals in the last yeah. five and a half yeah. in the second period? Barzal gets yeah. a gift from the hockey gods, what he said after the game. Uh, on a deflected shot, he catches it, scores. Him mm-hmm. and Bo Horvat were just phenomenal. Uh, that game and the Islanders run a power play goal. They're probably their most beautiful power play goal of the year. Barzal to Nelson to Palmieri, yeah. tic tac toe. And after the game, I, I went up to Palmieri and I said, um, "I said, you know, how important was it for you guys to hold this lead after what happened?" He goes, "Not to nitpick at your question. We didn't just hold the lead; we poured it on." And I think again, I asked a lot of the guys too. I said, "Is this an example of your best defense can be an offense?" Like mm-hmm. push, and and they said, "Yeah." We, if we play on the attack in the third periods, obviously that's less time in our own zone. The forechecking helps, things like that. And that's one of those wins where, okay, you got to build on it. And we knew that they were going to play a tough LA Kings team and you could bring us into the uh, LA game there. Yeah, so LA game, scoreless through the first period. Uh, they get into the second frame and then finally the Kings open it up. They go up two to nothing. And against a tough team like that, they're, they're riding in, what, 11 straight wins in the road. They're going for a record there yeah. for 12. Uh, I, they were also, I think, going for a franchise record of shutout hockey. I think they were up to, like, 136 minutes or something like that. So it was a big night for the Kings if they wanted to, you know, smash some numbers and all that. And one of the better teams in the league out west this year. So you go down to nothing to those guys. And with the way the Islanders have been playing in third periods, you're probably not too encouraged with how that, that game's going to get sorted. But Andrews Lee ends up scoring two big goals ties the game, and then obviously uh, the huge, huge winner from JGP in overtime. And pro- it has to be the the biggest win of the season for this team after that Florida. Oh, and they spoke yeah. about it. They, yeah. I mean, that's one of those, that's a win that you go, that could turn the season around. That was the Islanders' first comeback win of the season. Right. Um, in terms of everything, Sorokin's first overtime win of the year. He didn't play great in this one. The two goals the Kings did score, one of them which was challenge for goaltender interference, but Sorokin initiated the contact, didn't right. understand the challenge, asked Lambert, yeah, I asked Lambert, I said, what did you guys see? He said, we saw some contact. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point of the game, you lose that challenge. After allowing a goal, you go on the kill. The Islanders do kill it off. If, so. they, if they scored on that power play afterwards, the game was over. Game was over. Yeah. But a resilient effort. And then in overtime, you know, Pajot gets his first overtime winner as an Islander. Second fastest in franchise history. to laugh. That was, right. was like 12 seconds in. 10 seconds for LaFontaine. Yeah. Pajot was 13. 13. So then you look at that whole play in overtime, and I just want to... I have a couple of takeaways from this game. First yeah. off, the third line for the Islanders was pretty non-existent in regulation. You just weren't noticing them. And Lambert goes to them to start OT. Right. 
And so kudos to them getting Lambert trusting that Peugeot and Holmes from obviously have had chemistry on the penalty kill, oh, things yeah. like that. But this is the second time in overtime. The Islanders have two overtime wins that Dobson made a defensive play that led to a goal. So you go back to that win in Carolina. Mm -hmm. He makes that defensive zone play where he slides right, to block a right. pass, gets up the ice, makes the pass with Barzal. They win. Last night, Kempe is coming in. It's essentially a one-on-one -on -one situation. Dobson gets a stick on the shot, but also brushes Kempe, makes him go around him. Mm -hmm. Holmstrom gets the puck off the boards. Uh, Pajot said it was a hell of a read. Then Pajot does the Sezikis, which is what he said. He saw Sezikis do this. Instead of shooting on the breakaway, he cuts to the back and it goes five full, scores the game winner. But again, two overtime wins, two situations where Dobson made a defensive play first that mm -hmm. went to the game winner. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a huge, huge win, and, and like you said, first comeback, and and that used to be something they were more specialists at yeah. last season. So it was nice to see them not only, you know, get a get their first comeback win here, but kind of turn things around because as as we've noted, the third period has been rather devastating for this team. But now that's two straight games now with a very positive third period, and maybe this is something that can kind of turn the tide. And I guess you know, looking at the Columbus game when, you know, games coming down the road here and they end up with more leads going into the third period, is that something they're going to key on more, going for that that kill, trying to get the extra goal or two instead of, you know, dialing it back into a shell and just trying to protect leads, which obviously hasn't worked for them? Yeah, I actually asked Anders Lee this. I said, with your back end so, you know, broken right now, just in terms of injury, I said, how how important is it that you guys push more offensively just to take pressure off them? And he said, I mean, every night he want, they want to be providing the offense. They want to be pushing and forechecking hard. But he goes, yeah, it's, it's incredibly important because we've got to take some pressure off them. Yeah, guys back there, they're going to be playing a lot of minutes depending on how long people are out. And I think they have no choice. I think they have to like, take the pressure off your goal. And they show that they have the ability to do that. You know, again, we talked about it last year is that maybe they didn't have, in the first half, they didn't have the offense to get those three or four extra goals mm -hmm. and then hold right. the lead. Again, they're going into this defensive shell for the team that's defensive structures failed them all year. So you right. can't rely on your defense to win anymore, but they don't have to. That's the thing here. They do not have to do that anymore. And you saw that in the Columbus game. You saw last night, they played solid defensively mm -hmm. and they got the goals when they needed. They didn't obviously run it up, but they right. got goals when they needed to get them. They were greasy goals, but goals a goal. And just going back to other few things in this game, just want to get to is we saw Mayfield fight. Um, yeah. We also saw Barzal get absolutely wrecked um, yes, we by Englund. It was a pass a little behind him. His head was down. He gets rocked. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing here is, yeah, Mayfield fights him, but Horvat throws a glove off. Right, right. A guy. This is right. a guy that's not a fighter. Would he fight? Clearly he would. That was willing to stand up for a teammate against a much bigger guy. And I asked Barzal after the game. Oh, that was, you know, him and Maisie just going in like that. And he was right behind him. Um, just shows what kind of locker room we are. So I appreciated it. You know, obviously, um, it means a lot to me and then the guys you know on the bench too so stuff like that sometimes uh you know obviously they they scored on that pk actually but uh you know um, someone was looking down so and, and and you know saw us that we, we got a character locker room so yeah it means a lot so you talked about the penalty and the penalty kill after that is somehow mayfield got an unsportsmanlike penalty for jumping in the place of Horvat, so the Islanders mm -hmm. then have to go on the kill. Mm -hmm. They don't kill it off, but I think it's, again, they win the game, so you're not too worried about right, that right. there. But, yeah, I mean, this was an issue last year where Islanders got hurt time and time again mm -hmm. or got hit hard, and you just saw nobody standing up. And, again, for what Horvat's done offensively to the leadership he's shown in the room and things like that, mm -hmm. to do that obviously has to mean a, a, a lot to Barzal there. Um, other place from this game is we've talked about Sorokin a lot this year, and I, I've been pretty consistent saying that he's made game-saving saves, mm -hmm. but not at game-saving moments. Right. Last night with 2.27 to go in the third, 
Kempe gets on a breakaway. Yeah, it was a huge And one. he makes the save. And right. that, again, that wins them the game because if they allow a goal there, which. Yeah, it was about two minutes and change left yeah, in the game at that point. If that goes in, I mean, you don't blame Sorokin for that, but it's like right. another game where, like, you, you didn't get that big save you needed. And that's, again, why he's getting paid the big bucks and stuff is to make that save. And he, he gets that done. And the, other, the last point is that Bortuzzo played with Bullduke. Um, last night, obviously, Bortuzzo's first game as an Islander. We'll get to some injury stuff in a sec, yeah. but he brought stability, physical blocking shots. But I think the biggest thing was after the game, he spoke about it too. Is late in the third period, that line, that duo was out there. Yeah. And forget what you want to say about the advanced statistics, where maybe they were terrible in the game last night. Is Lambert trusted in that moment, or a player that just came here? He's trusting in late game, and a guy like Bullduke, who's been playing much better over the last four. So I think that's an encouraging sign that. Lambert showed the trust in them late, and also that, you know, they weren't out there for a goal against. What do you think the decision-making process was there for him to go with that that pairing? Because especially, just like you said, Bolduc obviously has been struggling, although he has looked better. I thought he looked really solid in the in the game against the Sharks, even in the losing effort. But, uh, you know, I think he's been coming along a little bit. But but obviously, with the way he's been playing this season, and a guy that just showed up, to, to have them play late in the game, I just wonder what Lambert's uh, with thought process was there. You now, know, just give guys like Dobson. I was going to say, there is probably who just came off the ice, right, things right, like right. that. But yeah. I guess, even if it wasn't, you know, on purpose, like, oh, we want them in the final minute, that they were out there and they got the job done. Mm-hmm. That And Bartuzzo said afterwards that, yeah, we clearly had a little bit of trust there, and that's huge coming into a new locker room to get that trust right off the bat. So, again, Bartuzzo didn't have to be a Norris guy for this Islanders team just to be a stable presence back there. Don't stand out for the wrong reasons. And I thought his first game, he played pretty solid. Yeah, for him to come in on short notice, have a solid game like that. And and I guess uh, a little hat tip to Lou Lamarillo, too, for addressing a need. I mean, the, the defense is already depleted with Pelic and Ajo being out. Yeah, Pulico down now. And, I mean, he pretty much had no choice but to try to bring somebody in. And to bring a guy like Bertuzzo in, Stanley Cup winner, uh, you know, veteran, 6'4 guy, crease clear. So I think that was a, a good move on Luzon, too, for a seventh-round pick. And again, too, losing Pulak, it kind of worked out the same timing as the Riley thing where the mm-hmm. Blues have been trying to move Bortuzzo. He only played, I think, a couple of games this yeah, year. Yeah, it's weird. Same situation. Like, barely gotten any games. Yeah. It looked like he was an extra guy they could just get rid of. And But with, with Pulak out, thanks. you needed a penalty killer. Right. And it just, I mean, for a seventh-round pick in 2024... I mean, then again, the Islanders maybe have drafted later, some mm-hmm. players later rounds. We'll see how those guys pan out. But it's a no-brainer move yeah. for, for Lou to make. Um, he still has room to add people with the cap, with Pelic being on long-term IR. But, yeah, I think, again, him being a penalty killer is huge. He has obviously won a cup before. Um, he knows Letty and Grice. Letty and Grice said the first thing they said to him was, buy a razor. Boychuck <laughs> dropped off <laughs> right. the razor and the shaving cream. Because, again, <laughs> Bortuzzo hilarious. had the full-on beard. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I think he'll fit in well. I know he's had issues. He's the one that injured Pellick last year. He's the one a couple years ago right. that decided yes. to take cross-check after cross-check to Nelson's neck while Nelson on the ice. But water under the bridge. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I talked to Riley about that, too. I said, you know, when you're coming to a new team, because he yeah. played against the Islanders in that playoff, said, how do you guys, like, settle old beef? And he goes, really, it's... If it's happening in a game and it's a heated moment, it's usually fine. Unless it's a guy that repeatedly, like a Tom Wilson or someone Mm -hmm. that does that and goes, this room especially, he came in here. Mm -hmm. They joked about stuff that happened during the Boston Bruins series. Everyone wants to win. That's at the end of the day. Um, Obviously, couldn't ask Pelic about it because he's on long-term IR. 
I don't think there's anything again. That last year, that was that was a hit where Pelicans falling and things like this that. Is stuff you, but if Borcuzo helps the team win, they're not gonna. They'll be fine. Yeah, there's there's not gonna be issues there. So nice little week for the Islanders. Two zero and one, four zero and one in their last five. They have yet to lose a game in regulation in December. So a nice little start to the last month of the year. What I did want to get into was something you hinted at before. Little injury update. Why don't we talk yeah. about Pelic, Aho, now Pulak, and what it means for the back end? All right. So start with Pulak. So he got hurt. He blocked his shot in the second period against the Blue Jackets. It was Zach Rowenski off the right ankle. And he stayed down for a second, got up, never left the game. Played a couple of shifts in the third period, but then left with 8-14 to go in the third. Didn't mm-hmm. return. They were up 5-3 at that point, I believe. So everyone was like, oh, you know what? He's probably banged up. He'll be, he'll right. be fine. Right. And then next day, he goes on IR. And then about 30 minutes later, Bortuzzo is brought in. There's no update on Pulak's status. It's just IR, which means he, I think he could be activated out of that game, uh, out of IR against the Boston Bruins. That's his first game back. So I'll miss a couple here. Come back at the end of the week if he's ready. With Sebastian Ajo, he skated the last four or five days right, with yeah. the team. Mm-hmm. He's taken line uh, line rushes with Hudden as your extra pairing there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look limited at all. I think he'll get back in at, at some point this week, maybe as soon as tomorrow. Who knows? We'll find out. But his was an upper body injury. We never got told exactly what it was, but he seems like he's very close. And then with Pelic, he's resumed skating but and he could be activated December nineteenth, but it's a lower body injury for him. So mm. I mean, excuse me, it's an upper body injury for him. So the fact that he's skating, I don't know. I don't know how much that means. Cause right. like I think the biggest news is or news in that is they're comfortable with him being on the ice. Mm-hmm. Like for example, it looked like he was holding his wrist. So mm-hmm. maybe they were nervous if he falls or if anything happens during sure. a practice. But it's all positive that he's skating again. We just have no idea when he'll be ready to go. I, I mean, I feel like December, if it is a broken wrist and he needed surgery or not, I feel like December 19th isn't going to be a, a realistic date for him. Mm. But we'll see. We shall see. But there will eventually be a logjam on the defensive yeah. end of things, assuming nobody else goes down. So I guess uh, the question will eventually be, what is what does this team do with the with the guys they have back there? I guess the, the first thing would be Ajo returning. What do you do? Now, I think a lot... Balduke or Riley, right? Right now, I don't think you could take Riley out of this lineup. I think what Riley's been able to do is just show that he has this offensive mindset Mm -hmm. and this ability to escape situations. Mm -hmm. Now, has he made defensive miscues? 100%. He's Mm -hmm. getting used to a new system and things like that. But he's mobile. He jumps in on the rush. He pinches. He does all those things where it's like like a Letty. They're best friends, by the way. But it is like watching Nick Letty out there. Not the exact same player, but he's got a strong shot. He's a smart player. Mm-hmm. I just think what he's doing right now for the back end in terms of just helping the rush and transition game, you can't take him out. And I think Bolduc's taking strides as well. I think the biggest question, because Ajo could play both sides, mm-hmm. is how does Bortuzzo look going forward? Right. Now, I don't know if Ajo's going to be ready to go against the Leafs on Monday, but let's say he's not. So that's another game for Bortuzzo against a pretty tough team. Then you kind of see, okay, who who's... It's going to be a game, not game by game, but you know, if Bolduc has a bad game, Bolduc probably comes out. Right. And I feel like that's the most realistic option. But I think right now, Riley has been an upgrade over Ajo because they play a similar game in terms of the speed. I just think Riley brings more. And then I think it just comes down to Bortuzzo still a stable guy against tough competition, even though LA Kings are very tough. Right. I could see Bolduc being the one to come out, but I, I can't see Riley coming out. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll tackle that issue when it when it comes about. But I have to agree with you on Riley. He's got four points already since coming over. He's three game point streak. Every game he seems to look much more comfortable. So you know it's going to be tough to pull a guy like him out when when somebody like Aho comes in. I mean that's encouraging because Pelic and Pulik have been the the foundation of that defense now for a very long time, and having them both out at the same time, you know, makes you concerned already with just one guy going out. Now with both of them going out, and for these guys to come and fill in and be able to so far at least you know pad them a little bit. 
bit and give them a chance to win is, is encouraging, and uh, hopefully that continues going down, going forward. I think if there's one positive with all these injuries is that Romanov and Dobson found themselves back together again after what happened last year, mm-hmm. and they've looked very good. Yeah. Not perfect, and Romanov certainly had his struggles, and we know what Dobson's doing this year is just ridiculous, and confidence is such a huge thing. But as a pairing right now, they've played five games together, 82 minutes, 53 seconds, four goals for, two goals against. And again, this is, could be a pairing for a very long time. Where, well, that was, the, know, that was the whole idea. Yeah, and it didn't work last year. And I think right. we talked about it. Romanov in a brand new system where he was pinching a lot, throwing hits at the inopportune times. Mm-hmm. Then Dobson, who maybe needed one more year with a vet. And now you're showing, I mean, Dobson is clearly doesn't need that anymore as he's showing and Romanov his hits are down and I asked him about it and I talked to Lambert about this too it's his hits are down I think over 50% mm-hmm. and Lambert said it's because he's not throwing hits in the he's not leaving his position mm-hmm. to make plays now he's still making defensive mistakes for sure we've talked mm-hmm. about it but the hits are down because he's not just going and lay a hit when it's a time to make a hit he's making the hit right but he's staying more compact positionally and that's that's obviously huge because that was the biggest issue last year is Romanov would step at the blue line try to lay a hit miss and Dobson's already in the neutral zone so at that point it's a two on oh go or one on oh breakaway going against Sorokin of Arlamov and they couldn't have that which is why Lambert ended up switching those groups really early I think five or six games in last year but this year they look much stronger together no, it's it's a really good sign, and if that's something that can continue, then all of a sudden you're feeling a lot better about about this defense, especially with the the way the D has been, you know, in the early parts of the season. So if they can continue that, maybe uh, they they get a couple more wins and close out a couple more games in the third period, and we're we're talking more about playoffs as the season goes on. But last week we had talked about, you know, it was it was a solid week prior, and they start to get a couple of wins, and and we're like, hey, you know, is this team turning it around? And I said, you know, I'm not ready to say that yet. They they haven't turned a corner yet. Like we need to see more. And obviously we saw a little bit more of that this past week. Obviously didn't start out well blowing the game against the Sharks. You get the win against Columbus. You get a huge win against a, a tough team in the Kings. I mean, look, now you group these two weeks together, and all of a sudden that's a nice patch of games. That's a nice patch of points, nice patch of wins. They're in the playoff mix. I mean, they were in third place going into tonight. Depends on, on some results tonight. But, I mean, look, they're in the mix now in the playoffs. Is this a team that's finally finding its stride, or do we still need to see more? I feel like you'll never get that answer in terms of are they who like are they a player team or not until game eighty two because right. they had a great game against the Kings where they came back. Yeah. Now they play a very good Toronto team. So is it is it about okay, well the Islanders lose that game, but the way they lost, is that saying, Oh, you know, maybe they lose the game two one, but they held the Leafs to two goals or things like that. Is is that a good good loss? You know, I think that's right. That's kinda how you have to measure it because you could look at this week and say they could have gone undefeated this week. Yeah. The same way the week before that, blowing to Jersey. And now you probably feel a little better if they 6-0. and Well, it's funny because I was looking at the standings and I was looking at the, the, you know, now they're six points behind the Rangers. And if you just took six of the Islanders overtime slash shootout yeah. losses and put them in the win column, they'd be right there with them. You know, the Rangers have played one less game, but if they really were just able to close out some of those games, they'd be neck and neck with the Rangers for first place in the division, which is crazy to think about. But it also kind of shows you just how close they are, too. Oh, for sure. They're Six 20 points away. Is three <laughs> wins over the course of 50-something games. You know, that's that's a, a lot of time to, to make up that ground. And, and again, like, this is, I guess, the question we're going to keep asking. You know, are they 
gonna are they gonna figure out their third periods? Have they figured out their third periods? You know, that's really what it's gonna be. And, and this is again under the assumption that they continue to start out well, which is what they've been doing over the majority of their games. So if they can do that, then yeah, maybe maybe they are a better team than than we thought. And and it's and it's so funny how you know this is how we're speaking about this team where you rewind two weeks ago and we're talking about Lane Lambert getting potentially getting fired and whether a guy like Kevin Hines might be coming in. And you know, I guess I guess if it keeps going this way, when when does uh, Lane Lambert get the Lindy rough treatment right and he gets the apology when they win like 10 in a row right oh yeah we're not there we're not i'm not saying we're there i'm not saying the man deserves an apology yet but look we're we're starting to see encouraging signs now and if it keeps going this route then all of a sudden you might say maybe lane's not the problem the final piece of the puzzle was the third period the power play Mm -hmm. again top 10 power play the offense jake the snake what was the uh stat you had as you look that, I'll keep going here but um (laughs) i threw it under the spot there but um the power play is going there five on five they're providing goals five mm-hmm. on five. Mm-hmm. The biggest final piece was that third period. The last two games, the penalty kill has been pretty good lately. Yeah, it's coming back. It's yeah, coming back. Over the last 10 games, the Islanders have the most goals scored in the East, and they're ahead of the teams like the Oilers and, and the elite teams in this league, and that's a positive. Again, you have to, to keep the puck when out of your When was net. the last time the Islanders had the most goals scored in the East over a 10-game period? You might have to go back to the 80s for something Yeah, when like they that. got free chili. Or maybe the Dougie Waite season. You know, yeah, that's that's very they true. They did score a lot of goals that year, but they're just fine. You have to find a way to close games out because you just you talk about it too. Is if they just had those points and they win, and now this is the big question: is can they make up the points they already lost this year to right. those teams like the like now you got to steal some, right? Like I think against the Kings, that's you got to close some games out. Now. Yeah, I don't think it's a steal against the Kings. They had to come back and win it, and that's definitely helps mitigate one of those losses, but. Go and beat the Leafs. You play the Bruins later in the week. Find a way to be, get a point or mm-hmm. beat the Bruins. You know you can't, you can't just rely on beating up on these bet worst teams and and showing the offense that way. It matters against these elite teams. And going back to looking at the standings, I was just comparing uh, this season to last season. So they're a point. They're a point back of the same pace of last season, right? I think they had one more point now going back here than they have right now. The issue this season has been obviously blowing the leads and and coughing up that second point, right? Last year, they didn't have any overtime or shootout losses up until this point. Right, yeah. They had 10 regulation losses, and I remember saying it on the show last year, they just have to find a way to lose good. (laughs) Like, they were (laughs) losing all 10 of those games, but they weren't able to get to that extra frame. And the funny thing is, you could say on paper with the points, oh, they're losing better this year, but, I mean, they're losing in the most awful fashion imaginable, but they're, they're pulling points out of these games. Yeah, and that's huge. And I, I think last year too is I, I think I tweeted this out is that the offense is almost exact. Whatever, not in counting this game against the Kings leading up to that game, the offense was the, the exact it was through 25 games last year, whatever it was. And everyone and again, they fell off in January and had that mm-hmm. horrific January. They went into trot style hockey because they had to. And everyone's saying, well, what's going to change this year? Like this offense, because of how deep it is this year and because of how Horvat and Barzal are playing and now Lee's on pace for over 20 goals and Holmstrom's on pace for 20. Like, this offense is definitely more sustainable than it was a year ago because the honors won't have to go into that defensive shell. They had to last year. Mm -hmm. And now you can't rely on this defense the way you did. They're clearly showing that the results are going to come, especially in third periods and holding leads when they push for offense. So for me, this team is more... This team, for me, is more suited to be consistent offensively than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And that's huge because, again, the numbers last year were great offensively until the end there, the end of December. Mm-hmm. And then they just stopped being an offensive. They just obviously yeah, got cold. They and then they just couldn't buy a goal in January. Couldn't buy a goal. So I think yeah. right now, again, they have to prove it. But this offense is different than it was last year. Plus the power play, that's huge too. 
Look, you got Barzell at over a point pace. You got Horvat a game, a point under a, yeah. a point per game pace. So obviously, you know things are looking up there. And, and you alluded to it before; they're getting more scoring throughout the lineup with the Palmieri's. A guy when he's healthy, that's obviously Angle helpful. scoring. Angle's putting up. I think he has four goals now. Yes, yeah, so doing Godier's a snipe. Holmstrom, yeah. Wizard. So they're they're picking it up. So you know they're kind of they're playing by committee here, but they're finally a little top heavy. Where you got two guys in the Islanders right now who are pe- playing at a point per game pace. Like that's kind of unheard of with with recent New York Islander squads. Right. So and you still have Nelson there, too. So, I mean, you know, it's 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 definitely been interesting watching them this season. It's been a it's been a very weird season. I've said it, you know, more than once and they're still kind of finding their way. But, you know, it's been more good than bad, I guess, because of where they are in the standings. That's all that matters. (laughs) Right. At the end of the day, we could talk about every player, every stat. But when 82 games are up, it all that matters if the honors are in or not. I know fans will. What's the point of getting in and then losing in the first round? Sure. Yeah, sure. That's definitely possible right. for every team. I don't right. think every Boston Bruins fans didn't say, oh, yo, they're in the playoffs last year, and that was good enough right. that they lost right. in the first right. round. Yeah. So you never know. That's why we love this sport. But for the Islanders right now, if they start closing out third periods, they're not going to need 82 games to make this the playoffs. They'll be a top three team in the Metro. That's just the question is, can they be consistent enough when it matters to be safe come March? And Because, again, Barzal last year at, at his end-of-the-year presser, and we definitely talked about it, said, he is tired of having to <laughs> grind right. in the final couple of months just to get in. He said the points early in the year are the ones that are important. Now, obviously, the Islanders didn't listen to him, him included, that they blew a lot of points and gave a lot of points away early on. But it's not too late to make those up before December 31st and then go into January. Have a They could have a very strong January or even an average January. This division isn't showing to be a top three elite teams running away with it. Like the Rangers were on fire, and the Islanders, what you say, five points, six points six back points, right now. Yeah. So right now is the time for the Islanders to get the points and not have to worry. But again, it's an eighty-two game season. Indeed, we'll see what happens, but we got a break for Nick Alberga. But before we do, I want to tell you all about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Larkana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainSTBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. And with that, I want to thank you all for tuning in to Twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. We'll be right back. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh-made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. 
That's right, folks. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And joining us right now is Nick Alberga, host of Maple Leafs Morning Take. Nick, thanks so much for joining us, man. How you doing, bud? My pleasure, guys. I'm doing well. How are you on the Sunday? Doing all right, doing all right. Obviously talking a lot of Islander hockey here, but we want to talk some Leafs hockey with you. They are 7-1-2 and two in their last 10, currently third in the Atlantic Division. What kind of season have the Leafs had so far this year? Pretty incredible. You start this interview and don't bring up the name John Tavares. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> Whoa, really Oh, I mean, guys. give us a few. We're easing you into yeah, it. Just, uh, no, what's it's, up, it's, man? it's in the notes. It's coming. Not it's coming. even like an Otani rib, just like right into it. It's um, all in the to notes, answer your question, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a turbulent start for this Maple Leafs team. It's kind of been really interesting to see what their record's at and maybe just uh, an indictment in how talented they are because I don't think by any stretch they've been very great this season and still somehow, some way, as you referenced, they have like 14 wins on the season, but uh, I would call them a work in progress through the first uh, 25 some odd games of this season. I'm intrigued to see how this week goes for them. Right on. And you have me Neilander leading the charge right now. He's uh, in a contract year. You think this guy's looking to make some money here or is this uh, <laughs> this the season you expected out of him? Oh, 1000%. It's, it's a bit of that, but it's also like people sort of lose sight of the fact that he scored 40 goals last year. Like he's, he's a hell of a player, man. Like he's having another great year and I think he's worth, worth every penny. I would never slam any player for chasing the dollars and, from everything we've learned about his father, too, I, I don't think it's going to be a contract that isn't up to snuff for the Nylander family and his agent and all that. And I, th I think he deserves it. I think he's been excellent, but I'm very curious to see where that whole situation goes over the next couple of months, of course, leading up to the trade deadline. Yeah, I wanted to ask you if you think that's a contract the Leafs are going to be able to fit under the cap next season going forward. Well, it seems to be the big question around the hockey world. I think where there's a will, where there's a way. I mean, pardon the pun, obviously, but I, I, I think... With the cap going up, uh, there's a lot of free agents on this roster pending UFAs. Uh, I think if they wanted to keep Nylander, I think they could easily do it. Um, obviously, I think there'd have to be a lot of moving parts and there would have to be some players they brought in that they're not going to re-sign. Like, I think the smart thing they did in the offseason was bringing uh, plenty full of guys who are one-year deals. So, like, it, it gives them opportunity and ability to tinker a bit here, knowing the Nylander conversation is coming up, and so is the one with John Tavares and Mitch Marner this summer. Yeah, we're going to see a $700 million deal handed out? Probably not. Probably not, guys. <laughs> I, I won't lie. It, it's It's been a very emotional weekend. I've taken a step away from Twitter in the last 24 hours. I, I've just been trying to figure out this world we live in where it's like <laughs> we uh, as a fan base felt that Shohei Otani was about to become a Blue Jay and then he goes to the Los Angeles Dodgers I don't blame him I, I think it would feel pretty damn good first and foremost you got like a two three four with Betts and Freeman and everything else they have on that roster and obviously the locale and all that but it stings a bit I, I think you guys know that feeling don't you <laughs> Speaking I have no of, idea yeah. what you're talking about, Nick. Well, I did want to... <laughs> when uh, Jason Blake left the Islanders. <laughs> Wait, that's exactly what we thought you were talking about. But uh, were there bed sheets uh, discovered on Otani or no, what here? No. <laughs> I thought I saw a picture of Shohei Otani wearing uh, Blue Jays bed sheets, but uh, it sounded like it was a Photoshop, unfortunately. That's too I bad. I wonder who they used to Photoshop uh, that yeah, picture. But speaking of John Tavares, because you, you opened yeah. that up with him, I, I yeah. see all the talk all the time about He's been good for the Leafs. He hasn't been great. Yeah. You know, so far yeah. with him being on the Maple Leafs, what is your overall thoughts just as his production with this team? I think it's pretty much as advertised. I mean, I should preface by saying I've covered John Tavares back to a day back to his days in junior hockey. I covered him when he was a London Knight for like 25 games. And that was so weird to see considering he was an Oshawa general, then gets dealt. And my buddy was on the team, so I got to really, really watch closely JTB. 
a member of the London Knights, but I, I think he's come as advertised. I mean, you really can't put it on the player for signing that type of contract. I don't think he gave them a discount by any stretch, but I think in terms of production, it's pretty much everything you saw with the New York Islanders. He's brought from a captaincy point of view, a production standpoint, weathering the storm. Like I think he's been such a good shill for the likes of like Matthews and Nylander and, and Marner. So I, I think he's held up his end of the bargain. I just think the unfortunate thing, which is weird to say, it's not every day where a John Tavares sort of falls in your lap if you're the Maple Leafs. And I think uh, looking back at it, I mean, would they make the same decision? I mean, it's hard to say and talk in retrospect, but probably not considering some of the other contracts they had to hand out, you know? Was it surprising that they gave him the C coming in as the new guy? No, I would have to think that was probably negotiated into that contract. Mm. Uh, I'm a bit stunned, however, like it hasn't, like not that JT's that type of guy, not that anybody's going to be that guy, but mm. I, I wonder if that day comes, maybe it's in the, uh, in the you know, the offseason coming up, the Leafs family finally can't get over that hump if he, you know, slides things over to an Austin Matthews. Like, I think teams have only so many trump cards to use when they keep failing and failing and failing when it matters most in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, I wonder if they used that, Ella, like what the San Jose Sharks did back in the day. But no, I wasn't stunned. I mean, you're coming in for that type of contract. You're leaving the way you did Long Island. Like, I think obviously it's got to make sense. And you've got to wear that C. And he's worn the cabin C pretty much his entire life, right? Right. And and so he's obviously guaranteed to hit his 1,000th point tomorrow night against the Islanders. I mean, that is obviously going to happen. Do you happen to know how he plans to celebrate? <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know. Maybe he goes to the Coliseum for an old tour or something like that. But uh, I don't know. Like, it's I, I was doing some research for my show tomorrow. And funny enough, I brought up Jason Blake because Jason Blake's coming on the show. And, uh, you know, I jokingly, you know, putting some questions together for Jason tomorrow. I was like, well, he he walked before John, or to, to, so John Tavares could run, right? He's the first guy who left. But granted, coming off a 40-goal season and he was paid probably a bit too much. No, he was paid a bit too much. And that's probably why he left the Islanders. But I think from the JT perspective, I don't think he's looked great against the New York Islanders. I mean, anybody uh, who who deals with that type of ridicule on a nightly basis from a team that you left years ago, I mean, it, there's a lot of pressure that goes into that. And from what I remember, it's been a, a mixed bag. I think in 11 games, the Leafs are 6-4-1 and one against the New York Islanders. So it would be a great story, I think, from a Toronto perspective if it happens. But uh, I'm not sure. It depends on how the fans are feeling on Monday night. And, and Nick, with, with goaltending, that's always a talk of the town with the Leafs as well. I know Wall's yeah. hurt, right? So how yeah. has the goaltending been? And I guess, who's the answer? Is it Samsonov, a guy that could just carry it? it? It's just so fascinating. And you guys know this, like especially covering that team. Like Defense is everything. And, that, and that's been a big story with this Leafs team so far this season. Like Defensively, they've been an absolute train wreck. Now, obviously, Kyle Dubas leaves. He goes to Pittsburgh. They bring in Brad Tree Living, and they bring in some guys. Their numbers don't check out as much as the previous administration. Guys like Ryan Reeves and... You know, there's some guys who have struggled early on, but like, yeah, it is a pretty big moment in the season because Joseph Wall, as you mentioned, is week to week with a high ankle sprain. And then Ilya Samsonov comes out on Saturday, posts that 18 save shutout. I think they hit a couple posts did the Predators across part two. Like, good to be lucky, lucky to be good. That's the old saying, of course. And I, I think, you know, A, this is the reason why they signed Martin Jones for a bit of insurance. So he's going to back up, presumably, Ilya Samsonov, I would think, is going to get the start, especially given he got a shutout against the Nashville Predators. But the Leafs are a work in progress defensively. And I think, as you guys have seen, specifically with that team and many teams across the NHL, you're only as good as your D. I mean, uh, the position has become so volatile on a yearly basis. I mean, just look at the struggles of, like, an Ilya Sorokin this year. You just don't know yeah. what you're going to get, unfortunately, on a yearly basis. And... You know, Joseph Wall has been a great story, but Ilya Samsonov has not been great, and maybe he can build upon the shutout he got against Nashville. 
For sure. And maybe you can talk a little bit about the new blood that's coming here in Toronto. Uh, Domi, yeah. Reeves, Bertuzzi, how those guys slaughtered. And you lost uh, Klingberg to hip surgery. How those guys yeah. played so far. I want to talk about my shirt, man. I wore this Silenter shirt for you guys from Yes Man Outfit <laughs> Fitters, my boys out there. Sorokin, the whale. They still call him the whale out there? Couldn't even see it behind the microphone, but now that you pointed oh, out, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm on brand. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a troll, I think, when it comes to Islanders fans. <laughs> oh, you don't but, think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> A bit. No, we're friends now. We're friends now. But thank you for John Tavares. <laughs> so they're your second question. favorite team now. Pardon me? They're your second favorite team now. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Anybody who knows me, I just watch hockey. Honestly, uh, it's tough to say, but I could not care who wins any game anymore. I have bills to pay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> uh, but to answer your question, it's a different approach that they've taken to this Maple Leafs roster, guys. Like, And granted, I mean, I think you can draw some similarities to, to the Florida Panthers and sort of bringing in some sandpaper and some grit and seeing how it works in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I truly don't think we'll get an accurate uh, you know, feel or sense of if this Leafs team is any different until the Stanley Cup playoffs when the games start for real. I mean, assuming the Leafs get there, which they should, given you know the, the, the talent on that roster. But I don't think you could really make a proclamation. I know people wanted to jump on Ryan Reeves like five games in. Max Domi struggled. Tyler Bertuzzi. The Klingberg signing from the beginning was a head scratcher, and he's played his last game as a Maple Leaf. He's done for the year with uh, with a hip surgery, right? So, like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make some good decisions as well as GM. I mean, it's all part of the job, but I think it's been a mixed bag so far. But, like, to answer your question, I probably can't make a full analysis until playoff time to see what these guys are really worth to this team. No, I think that's a fair point, but I also think it's a, a, an important one to expand on here because, look, yeah. I mean, the Maple Leafs have been a, a regular season darling now for how long, right? We all know they, <laughs> they get into the playoffs, and until recently they couldn't get out of the first round. That hasn't made us too upset here on Long Island. But, look, I mean, is there anything that you're seeing 20-something games in here where, okay, maybe this year is different. Maybe this is finally a Leafs team that can, you know, go deep into the playoffs, get to a conference final. I mean, you, you have all that firepower up front. I mean, the goals come in spades with this team. You know, why? haven't they been able to get over the hump and is there anything encouraging you to think okay this could be a year it happens it's just really weird because like it took them so long to win a playoff series then they finally beat tampa and then like they were zapped of their confidence because they got goalied with by bobrovsky in the first game and a half against the florida panthers and then game three i remember it vividly i was actually in vegas watching it on a sunday afternoon the least no showed for a game down two nothing in that series it's so hard to quantify like again and my coach jay rose always gives me flack i'm like the regular season does not matter for this team i mean every year i think it's fair to assume the leafs are going to be in the playoffs right it's more so like are they going to be a different team come playoff time so i'm no i know i'm sort of weaseling away from your question but like <laughs> i have no clue man they can go like 17 and 0 in 17 straight games and i would still have my questions about the playoffs and that, that's pretty much the Makes sense, sense of the fan base like i mean austin matthews has 18 goals nylander's played like a rock star morgan Riley's been great um you know marner's had his ups and downs jt's been pretty decent but like people here do not care about the the personal accolades anymore like i they honestly don't i, I think it's all about the postseason and uh unfortunately nobody has an answer if this team is going to be any different like the resolve just i don't know there's just so many moving parts come playoff time and you guys are a perfect example of that like the Islanders are a team that never has like I think the talent on paper to compete with the, the juggernauts in this league, and they always seem to do so, right? Right. Yeah, and, and Nick, talking about the Islanders, you know, what is your outside view of this team right now? 
My view is that it's been the same view since I think JT left. Like they, you know, Matt Barzell, like get the guy some help. Like, and that's that's the tough part about covering Lou Lamarillo. You just have no clue. Like you're thinking Patrick Line and he's like, here's Robert Bortuzzo. It's like congratulations, <laughs> another another grinding defenseman to play this the brand. Like the guy had to shave his beard. Like <laughs> I, I think it's a definition of insanity. I mean, not to, not to besmirch the great name of Lou Lamarillo, but I wonder if time is passing them by a bit. I mean, you look back at his track record with the Leafs yeah he made some good decisions there was also some pretty pretty bad decisions too and I just look at that Islanders roster I know they want to play a certain brand but it would really really help if Oliver Wallstrom could ever live up to expectation but be like let's get some guys going with Nelson and and obviously Barzell and Anders Lee's had an up and down start like they need a bona fide star stud type player a sniper like a designated sniper shooter and and maybe it's easier said than done. Maybe it's hard to get these guys over in free agency, but I just feel like they have too many of the same type of player. You need that hired gun, and and they're still looking for it, unfortunately. And what are your thoughts on Bo Horvat? Him and Barzal right now have been on fire, but I get what you're saying about needing that third yeah. guy, but what do you think about yeah. Horvat? Oh, I think he's great. Like, I think he's a good fit, too. Like, he's the type, he's a Lou Lamarillo type. Like, as soon as they picked him up, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I get there's a certain brand, there's a certain style, but when push comes to shove in the Stanley Cup playoffs, man, you need that big-time goal. Like, it's, I get it. Like, you can go to Grindtown, which this team has done, and squeak out 2-1 victories. And granted, they have the goaltending, obviously, with even the season like Varlamov's having, but obviously with Ilya Sorokin a top three goaltender in the league. That certainly helps. But like, I rather take my chances uh, and have, again, a hired gun, a guy who is a sniper in this league who could finish and produce and take my chances. I, I just think they, in general, they need more of that type of player. Like they're, they're a team that's got a bunch of the same style of players, if that makes sense. And you're a fantasy guy. How high is the stock on Noah Dobson right now? Oh, it's huge. Like, we 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 talked about him going into the season, right? He he was up and down last year, two years back. He was incredible. And and the turbulency does happen with young defensemen. I mean, him being Canadian, and I, I could tell you a thing or two about him and his, you know, where he came from, obviously his junior development. And I think he's well on his way to being an elite, elite defenseman in this league. So am I really shocked? Probably not. I do think it's sustainable. I think it would certainly, again, help a guy like Dobson, too, if they got in a guy who can score as well. Like, just help everybody out. Like, I think at times the Islanders are just guilty of being very top-heavy in terms of there's a couple guys. Like, if they don't beat you, you're probably not winning. And I think across the board, you need guys like Pajot and others. Like, if it's going to be like a scoring-by-committee type team, you need all these guys going or you're going to be in trouble. And I think that's what we saw early on. Like, it seems like they're finding their way and they're starting to score some goals lately. But, again, there are some question marks with that team, too. Well, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show here tonight, man. Awesome stuff. Uh, sorry about Otani, but uh, congratulations uh, on Tavares hitting 1,000 points tomorrow night. We'll see if it happens. Thanks for having me, and I love the bagels, boys. You guys just bring it. I uh, got the bagels a couple of years ago. got a lot of bagels, uh, some great cream cheese. So uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night, and I do really appreciate the the passion of that fan base. I think it's been about 25 years since Sean Tavares left, and they still hate him. Man. Have you, so have you been in the building yet? Have you been in UBS? No, uh, and, and Rosner will know. I, I I know some people connected to the organization. I just have not made it down there. Like I, I really, really need to go down there and watch a hockey game. I, but I, I told Kevin Conley, if you go, if you bring me to a game, I will go to a game, and I want Chloe Grace Moretz there too, please. <laughs> Okay, we'll see. We'll see what we can yeah, do over there, <laughs> over here for you. But Nick, what a request, a... eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was humble. It was very humble. <laughs> but Nick, uh, <laughs> a lot of fun, man. Appreciate your time and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Take care. You got to take Nick. care, bud. All right, everybody. That was Nick Alberga. A lot of fun with him. Getting a little ribbon in there with the uh, the Isles Leafs rivalry, as as you call it. I think he was the original Biz. 
with poking fun at Islander fans. Now, obviously, Nick did it when Tavares left, but as the same way you said Blake walked, so to, Tavares can run. It's so funny he brought that up. Like, <laughs> I haven't, like, that hasn't entered my brain in years. Like, I almost forgot that he left and signed a contract with those guys. But but it's it, needless to say, it uh, didn't have nearly the effect on Islander country that it did when Tavares. Uh, so I was obviously very young when Blake left. Right. And I, my first alive? time really, <laughs> I, I was crawling. My first time, though, remembering really Blake and going against the Islanders is when Blake scored a spinorama goal in the shootout against the Islanders one year. That was before they made that move illegal. Okay. That's just the flashback to that. But sure. um, yeah, Nick's great. He does tremendous work covering the Leafs and everything he does fantasy-wise. Funny guy, too. I mean, he's a character. Yes. And yes. Uh, in this world, uh, like like Pete Blackburn, same type of thing in this world where we need characters like that to, you yeah, know, absolutely. to make things fun. Yeah, absolutely. So good stuff from him. Tomorrow will be fun. Hopefully uh, Tavares doesn't hit a 1,000 hit points, but if I was a betting man, I'd probably put a lot of money on that bet because that's just what happens when you're the Then again, Barzal's raised his game against the Leafs. So and he's on fire right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I mean, I'll never forget that first game when Patrick, he came right? back to to Long Island and and Barzell had himself a night, and and so did the fans. I mean, that was just <laughs> to be in that building for that night was was unbelievable. They they uh they spared him no mercy at all. Passion fan base. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. So we're gonna get into what's on tap real quick before we do the hero and then dive into questions room. But before we do all of that, I want to tell you all about our friends at Isles Fix. Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. So let's go into what's on tap. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. Yes, that's right. We're going to look ahead to see what the Islanders are doing this week. And if you were listening to our interview with Nick earlier, you know that they're playing the Maple Leafs tomorrow. John Tavares is going for 1,000 points. They're right there in third place in the Atlantic. Going to be a tough game. Uh, Mitch Marner is usually a thorn in the Islander side when he plays the Islanders, so we'll see what happens there. But that's how it starts on Monday. Then Wednesday, the Ducks come to town. They had a really nice start to the season. Now they are 1-9-0 in their last 10. They have fallen off a cliff. Maybe that's a game they can take advantage of like they did against the Columbus. Blue Jackets. We'll see. Friday, Boston comes to town. That will round out this six-game homestand for the New York Islanders. That obviously will be a tough one. They hung with them for 50 minutes the yep. first time they played them earlier in the season, and then uh, the wheels fell off, as you might say. And then uh, a fourth game this week. It's a busy schedule. Back-to-back, -back, they go into Montreal to play the Canadians. They are 12-12-3 currently, so there you have it. Those are the games coming up. Stefan, what do you have to say about those games? Tomorrow night, Toronto, seven o'clock start, not seven thirty. Good to know. Hockey night in New York. I mean, ho yeah, it's a hockey night in Canada in New York, so that's why it's a seven o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seven o'clock start. I mean, listen, this is again not as maybe not as good as the Kings in terms of just everything clicking right now, but the Leafs are a very good team, offensively talented, offensively gifted, and if the yeah. Islanders' defense struggles to forecheck and slow them down, like you said, Marner's always a thorn for this team. Yeah, Matthews doesn't need a lot of time and space. Like he scores a shorthanded goal against the yeah. Islanders every other game. But again, it's a situation where. We'll see who's in goal, but the Leafs goaltending has been an issue, and the Islanders have to pounce early. I mean, that's what it's and about against every team, right? <laughs> yeah. Pounce early against a goaltender that's been struggling, get into his head, get the goals, and make him work. And then, again, if you do get a lead, find a way to hold it on. Because, again, this is a Leafs team that 
has guys that could just come down the wing and score. Now we'll see who's in goal. The guess is it will be. I would think it's Sorokin. They have gone back and yeah, forth though, right. and I think Varlamov. He's on a three-game. I think personal he gets the Ducks on Wednesday. Shoot, you have to think so. Yeah. The Islanders are going to need Sorokin to be steal him a game. And again, every game against a tough team, you need a goaltender to make a few robbery saves. It just that's how it has to work in this league. So we'll see what happens. But then they go and play the Ducks. Ross Johnson's return. I wonder if right. I, he'll get. I think he'll get a right. video tribute. I really do. I mean, the guy's fighting. Been, yeah, he was here. For, even though he didn't get in a lot yeah. of games, he's, he was with the franchise for a very long time so the, i think he will the good news is that he's getting playing time with the ducks um he has two mm-hmm. assists in the year he has a goal that was disallowed okay doesn't count but i again this is a okay. ducks team that's struggling mightily yeah so were the shark i mean the sharks actually were playing better hockey when they came to face the islanders so maybe yeah. their record wasn't indicative of how they actually didn't they, are didn't they go on to do the same thing to the isles they did their next game the sharks oh yeah they they came back from i think it was four yeah it was ridiculous yeah um, and then like, the Ducks have been struggling mighty. Then you have the Bruins, and again, it's like the Leafs. Very good team. Mm. Their goaltending is different. Their goaltending is ridiculous. Yeah, a little more well-rounded in Boston. Yeah, and again, the Islanders, what got them in trouble was taking penalties. You can't. You saw them against the Kings last right. night that it really could have burned them. It burned them on, on one of the goals. You, you just got to stay out of the box against a team like that. And Montreal, again, you get a back-to-back where you have to go on the road against Montreal. Mm. Another weak team. You got to find a way, to, again, you got to find a way to beat the weaker teams. And again, when you give points away early... Find a way to get points against these really tough teams, at, at least one, maybe two, to just counteract those lost points. Yeah, for sure. So there's your what's on tap. Four games on the slate for the Islanders. They round out this homestand and then go up to Montreal. We'll see how it goes. But if it's anything like the last two weeks, maybe they'll give you a heart attack here or there. But maybe they come out with uh, more points than not. But two tough games, two, two teams that they should beat. two teams that are going to give them a hard time. And they'll probably reverse it and lose the two bad teams and spank. Well, you, well, you look at this past week, yeah. right? They go 2-0-1. You, fi- you figure that that overtime loss is going to be at the hands of the Kings, right? And they would have beaten the Sharks yeah. or the Jackets. But no, they beat the Kings. They lose to the Sharks. No- nothing makes sense in hockey. But uh, we'll see how this week goes. That's what's on tap. And now, let's do the Hero of the Week. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for That Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Hockey Night in New York Wrap. Featuring grilled chicken, buffalo sauce, mozzarella cheese, and avocado in a wrap, it is just magnificently delicious. Stefan, have you had one yet? I have not. Why don't you just lie and say that you did? I, <clears throat> I have. Yeah, it's great, right? I'm a big butterfly guy. Oh. The butterfly's so good. I haven't had it. What's 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 in that? I can't tell you. <laughs> I'll just look at the menu. Looking, I'll go to bluelinedeli.com to find yeah. out. All right. So <laughs> featuring, I told you what it's featuring. Going to Blue Line Deli all, all week in Huntington. <laughs> Get the Hockey Night New York for half off. With that out of the way, Stefan Rosner, who is your hero of the week? It's Anders Lee, and mm. it was probably going to be Anders Lee regardless of the two goals last night, and I'll tell you why. Tell me why, please. So against Columbus, Barzal and Horvath just go off. Absolutely go off. And after the game, talking about Horvath and Barzal's chemistry, Barzal mm. says, listen, like, we get the questions, but what Andersley did for us tonight wasn't on the store sheet, doesn't mm. show up there, but his hard work, his ability to make passes, all things like that is why we had so much success. And then he does it, and it's just vintage Lee, ferocious yeah. in front of goal. You saw the emotion when he put back those rebounds. I mean, that is yeah, that is vintage. those, and you could see it. Vintage, at, again, Maybe people have doubted his his leadership the last couple of years and saying, "Oh, it's time for a new captain." Like your captain put the team on your on your back in the third period against a very good team where there was not no life, but I think they had six shots total in the second period. There was no mm. scoring chances. I mean, this was a quiet right. team, and Lee scores one to get the guys going, and then he finds a way to get the second. And it's just just one of those games that I think Lee had to have mm. not to silence haters, or whatever. He doesn't. He's not going to care. 
But he's the captain of this team, and in a big moment, he comes through. And now he's on pace. You know, we were talking about will he even score five goals this year. He's on pace for over 22, 22 goals this year. And that, again, he's going to score 30. He's going to score close to 40 every in his career. Who knows? But the fact that he's gotten going, the fact that he's been such a catalyst for that top line, where there was a question mark of, do they have anyone that could play with those two? Mm-hmm. And everyone questioned, why does Lambert keep putting uh, Lee up there? It's not working. It's not working. Right. Lee is doing not him. I can't compare Lee and Engvall to being the same players at all. But when Engvall came last year and they just placed him on that second line, the points weren't coming at all. Mm-hmm. But that line was just working. For whatever reason, that line worked. And if you want to say Lee is no longer the Lee he was and he's slow and he's not great defensively, mm-hmm. say whatever you want. But Horvath and Barzal are cooking and Lee is playing a huge part in that, whether he's getting the points or not. Yeah, it's been working, and stick with it while it is. Why not? Hopefully it continues to, but it's nice to see Lee kind of uh, rediscover himself a bit here this season because, as you said, people are starting to question whether he's really lost a step. I know we talked about it a lot last year in the playoffs and towards the end of the season, and maybe he's slowing down a little bit to the point where you know he's not going to be able to keep up. But this last stretch here, he's looked good, so good on you for picking Andrews Lee. I'm picking his line made Bo Horvat two assists against the Sharks, two goals and an assist against Columbus, and an assist last night against the Kings. He's on, what is he? He's on, he's on a six-game six yep. point streak. He leads all forwards in time on ice. He's got 24 points in 25 games. Is it time to give Lou a little credit for this trade or what? Uh, well, first off, the fact that Bo got flipped, Bovillier, excuse me, got flipped already. Ratu's a bottom six guy in Abbotsford. Mm-hmm. They got the guy Kronik with the pick and Obviously, that guy's a top-pairing defenseman now. So I guess you could depends what I mean. You could say the trade was even in terms of the Canucks. Obviously, have been really good. Mm-hmm. So those are right, two pieces right. don't matter sure. right now. Sure. But just Barzal, this is they are now playing exactly what people thought of when the dynamic duo. Now they got cut with that last year because of Barzal's injury. But got some little stats for you real quick before we get to questions brewing. But sure. On November 25th, ahead of the Islanders game that night, Lula Murillo said he thinks that they could provide more. And he, he clarified saying he didn't, doesn't think they're doing enough. He just mm-hmm. doesn't want to give them the satisfaction. There's not more to give. Since that date, Barzal's got 12 points in six games, four goals and eight assists. That's third most points in that span. And Horvat's got 10 points, league. four goals, six assists in seven games played. So if they haven't answered the call... I mean, clearly they have. Their, right. their phones, they're answering the phone every game. And I think the Islanders needed that. We talked about it so much where Nelson's line just couldn't have, they couldn't be the one carrying every night. Right. And Barzal's line couldn't be great one game and not great another game. And now you're seeing that consistency. They're just fine. I mean, Barzal couldn't the offense zone last night, threw a puck to nobody, but it landed right on Horvat's stick. Like, you didn't even right. see Horvat there. So right. they are firing on all cylinders right now. And, I, and we asked Horvat about it, and he goes, there's still more. And that's scary. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that goal coming around behind the net where he's basically that on the angle. goal line, barely has an angle, backhands it right in. Beautiful goal. And then right after that, Barzal, you seem like, oh, Barzal's going back to the net. The what net. is he doing? Right. And then, right. boom. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I feel like we haven't seen a duo like this on the Islanders for a long time. And sure, we're only, what, 26 games in or whatever it is. But it's nice to see these guys clicking because there was a big question mark on whether or not they were going to, given how that they played played together last season, you know, uh, before and and after Barzell went down with an injury. And, uh, you know, through the playoffs, they were a little dried up, too. So it's nice to see them finally clicking. Who knew after a training camp, right? And and what's crazy, well, not crazy, but this is a league where it's all about matchups, too. And when Mm -hmm. the Islanders' second line was doing so well. They're getting the top defenseman. Mm-hmm. Now that that line's going, it is a nightmare. Because, again, we're not even talking about Nelson's line, and they've been great. And we're not even talking about right. them. When you're not talking about Nelson, that says a lot because he's right. been the catalyst. We're not talking every... about practice either. Yeah. <laughs> we're never talking about practice. <laughs> we're talking about cash backing. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a nightmare to have as a, an opposing coach now where you can't take a second off against that top line because they will burn you. And now Pajot's line's getting going with the way their chemistry. Holmstrom's been great. Godier's per- contributed offensively. Yeah. Clutterbuck scored a huge goal this past week, set up by Fashing. The Islanders, again, Nick just talked. You have to have, if it's by committee, it's got to be by committee on a nightly basis. And right now, the Islanders... Top six have been phenomenal, which is also allowing the bottom six to have success as well. No doubt about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, those are your heroes of the week, Anders Lee and Bo Horvat. And, Ed, why don't you cut us to one more break before we jump in to questions, Bruin? Sure thing, Sean. Thanks, buddy. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video. Or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to floridmedia.com for more information and email contact at floridmedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching Hockey Night in New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and perhaps listening on your favorite podcast providers. We're going to get into questions brewing, but before we do, Stefan, you had something you wanted to share with the audience? Per cap friendly, Grant Hutton has been sent to Bridgeport, which tells me ah. that, again, Sebastian Ajo, we've seen him practice. He's okay. still been on IR. He wasn't activated out, so it appears as if he will be activated out. Maybe when I look at my the media site, he's already. Um, we'll find out tomorrow, but... Grant Hudden back to Bridgeport. It had to suck for Hudden when you go in. I mean, it, let, let's <laughs> be nice real. When, it, yeah. when Bortuzzo gets acquired, that showed how they feel about Hudden. And again, Hudden, mm. Hudden's done nothing but been a solid guy when I he's gone in. Right. Um, clearly, Lou wanted experience mm. when he went and got Riley, experience when he went and got Bortuzzo. Mm. Hudden, there's no, you know, you look at, uh, he's not, he's going on waivers, but no one's going to claim him, things like that. So, Hutton back to Bridgeport tells me that Ajo might be ready to go for tomorrow. There you go. We shall see. But thanks for the live update. Ed, Jay, how we doing, guys? <laughs> I'm doing well. I forgot to Are you sure? myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got Sleepy Jay back here. He's uh, Is he doing all right, too? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't staring we... staring into right. Jake the Snake's soul. Why don't we uh, Why don't we get into questions, Bruin? Why don't we do some questions from the audience? Yeah, I have a question, Sean. Ed, please ask a question. What's uh, What's up with the uh, Canucks hat? Are you uh, You like hockey? Or uh... <laughs> I do enjoy the sport of hockey. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm a hockey fan first, man. I just happen to be an Islander guy as well. But you know, every right. now and then, I, I like to show support for for other teams around the league. Fair enough. Well, speaking of teams, sure. MJ Beckman asks this: Are the Islanders now a fun team to watch? Lots of goals, points every night. Physical team and thrilling comebacks. What? Thrilling comebacks. Well, MJ, thrilling. if you're asking, that tells me that that you feel that way. So I guess that's a little exciting. Yeah, I mean, they're more fun and they're certainly interesting. 
<laughs> that's for they sure. They keep right? you entertained. Well, yeah, whether whether they're they're blowing leads or, or coming back more recently against LA, I'd, I'd have to say that uh, it's it. That's why I've been calling this a weird season all year, just because it hasn't been the same Islander team that we're used to, and it's just I'm just trying to like get wrap my head around. It. Uh, who this team is going to be for the remainder of the year. They're scoring more goals. I remember it was only like a week or so ago when I looked at their goals for, and it was only a two and a half, and they've bumped that all the way up to three yeah. since then, just with all these games that they're scoring four or five goals, and of course they get seven against Columbus. So yeah, I, I guess they're a little more fun to watch, and and they'll be even more fun if they figure out a way to clamp down on third periods, but you know we haven't seen enough of it yet, but uh, they're, they're heading in the right direction, so I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, they're fun. Next up from Trachier 19 When all the defensemen are healthy, who sits and who, what should the pairings be? When every Well, first off, the fact that everyone's going to be healthy at the same time, given what's happened, I'm going to say zero. I mean, they haven't had a healthy right. defense since opening night. It feels right. like that. When everybody comes back, I think if Pella comes back soon, it'd be Pellick Pulak, and we'll see how long they're out. Because, mm-hmm. again, right now, Romanov and Dobson have been good. I don't think you you don't right. need to go yeah, back to yeah. that. So you have Pellick Pulak... Romanov Dobson, and to me, I just don't see how Riley comes out. And I think you the two you, new guys on the well, bottom pair. No, oh, I no, say May, yeah. Mayfield. Listen, like, <laughs> has Mayfield struggled? Is Mayfield 100% healthy? I did a piece the other day where Mayfield said he's still dealing with, with the ankle. I think mm-hmm. he won't be 100% the whole year, right? But I just don't see him coming out. You gave him also seven years. Like, I don't think to start off his thing. I mean, listen, if you feel like you have to sit him. Sit him, but I think it's going to be Riley Mayfield, and I think Aho mm. Aho is going to mm. be an extra. Okay. Um, I also think that Bol- again, it all matters what Bolding's doing, and Bortu- you have options, which is great, and I think the honors are in a good spot. Like I don't think if they have to wave Bortuzzo, it's like oh no. <laughs> right. Again, he's been right. in that situation before. Maybe right. he doesn't even get claimed, and you have him down there again. Sure. Bolduke with how he's playing right now, he's going to get claimed. I, people could say, oh, he'll sneak through. Other teams are going to take the chance on him, whether they think he's going to be an elite guy or not. Because he showed at least sparks of he could be a top four defenseman with everything he does. So, yeah, I think I think Aho might go back to being an extra. But it's, that's only until Riley, you know, again, Riley's been an extra over his career for a while. Mm-hmm. And not, I'm not saying anything wrong with his game, but there's a reason for that. Maybe they platoon. Yeah, and know? that's not a bad idea either. Right. With, especially with the amount of Mayfield still being banged up. When those guys come back, if they're still dealing with some lingering issues. But yeah, I think Aho might find himself as an extra, depending how well how well Riley plays, but also when these guys come back. Because again, Pella could come back in two weeks. Pella could come back in a month. Pulak could be out for two months. Just because he's on IR right now doesn't mean he won't go on LTIR. We don't know what the extent of the injury is. We don't know if he's still getting tests. So right now, it's really hard to say what the pairings will be because completely healthy, I don't think we're going to have that for a while. I agree. All right. Enzaeb09 asks, what was the major difference in third periods from the Sharks game to the L.A. game? I oh. think, yeah, go for it, John. No, I think it was what we mentioned before was was that they actually just went went in for the kill. They didn't sit back. They, they tried to pour it on. They tried to add more goals, specifically in the Columbus game, where they were like, okay, <laughs> we've, we've been here before. We've tried to clamp down on things. It hasn't worked. So they're up 4-2 going into that third period, and they decide let's, let's make it 5-2, 6-2, and it ultimately ends up being 7-3. And it obviously worked wonders. Now, it worked wonders against a team towards the bottom of the league. Yeah. So we'll see how that works out if they happen to go into a third period lead against Toronto or maybe even Boston this week, right? We'll see how that works out. But it certainly worked against a team like Columbus, and maybe that's at the very least the strategy they use against teams that are more towards the bottom of the standings where they can have a little more fun, if you will, you know, against, uh, you know, lesser teams in the league. And as far as the Kings game goes, I mean, they had they no, no choice, choice yeah. but to pour the offense on because they're down by two goals and it ends up working out. And 
Stefan did a great job talking about Andrews Lee's contributions and and how good he looked. And and look, the, I think the good thing is after all those blown leads, after all the discouragement and and just the down in the dumps that everybody's been over those games, is that they found a way to to fight back and bounce back. Right? I said that talking earlier about the loss of the Sharks game because they could have gone in the tank after that. Yeah, uh, Shark Tank. No, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see myself out. <laughs> that's that's a game that really could have buried this team a little bit, right? But they're a veteran team and. And they've, they've fought through adversity before, so I think it's encouraging that they were able to s- turn things around after that game and get back to their winning ways. Uh, we were brainstorming this question earlier. I figured I'd get your guys' take on it. Offside NYC. Uh, they asked, what should we name our next, uh, who should we name our next cocktail after? Wow, love the question. Yeah, Stephen, we were brainstorming that. I asked if they had an uh, old-fashioned, and they do. Yeah, I mean, that's a no-brainer. Right? No, I'd be a little I, disappointed in Nick if he didn't have that already. Yeah, it was... Uh, but, I thought uh, I was a winner with that one. I think Holmstrom's got to get one or Godier. Okay. Okay. Or maybe, the, it's uh, going to be an under the radar drink, but that comes through like every time you pour it, you know? Okay. Okay. Maybe you got to tie a white Russian in there somewhere with Romanov, Sorokin, and Varlamov, right? You, maybe you mentioned gets... Andrews Lee before, and it popped in my head. Long Island Ice Lee. Is that, is that mm, a little okay. out, of, out of I turn think there? if, if memory an serves, and, and Nick might be able to correct us here in the chat, but I think he had a variation on a Long Island Ice Tea. I just don't remember. Oh. Who was involved in that? But a yeah. uh, Long Island Ice Lee, okay. Yeah, it's That's got the ice bad. in there, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think uh, you need to give love to the bottom six guys. Uh, obviously, okay. I'm assuming he's got fourth line stuff, but like Holmstrom and, and Godier, guys like that, you know. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Love it, love it. We'll brainstorm those. Okay, Svedka, uh, Swedish, <laughs> some Swedish Svedka. I don't know, is that a thing? Svedka is a Swedish vodka. Yeah, so you have Holmstrom. I think. Yeah, I, think, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I'm not a bartender. We, we got to get a pun in there, though. Anyway, next up from Mr. To Tom Boyle. <laughs> Has Bortuzzo ever been suspended in his NHL career? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> know. Find. I mean, he's had definitely had his... I forgot. I think it was, was it mm. a couple of years ago against... I think it was the Stars. I want to say he's behind the net. I think it was the Stars. And he barely cross-checks somebody, and that guy flops. Mm. And he gets up and redu- and he flops. He looks at the ref. Yeah. And the last time he flops, Bortuzzo really just crushes him after that. Oh, just yeah. hits I him twice or whatever. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. like if you're gonna if you're gonna keep flopping, I'm gonna make you earn that flop. Right. He's a guy that I plays on the not that. on the edge. I don't think he usually cross the line. Now he had his issue with Pellock. I said the Nelson thing, but I think a part of the reason he's here is because he's a physical guy. And he has right. that grit. And he right. I mean, if you win a cup, you, you automatically have that in you because you needed that to win the cup, especially that St. Louis team. Bortuzzo was actually the guy that got into the fight at practice. Do you remember that? When the Blues were in last place, they get into a fight at practice. Uh, okay. I don't remember who he fought. The next day, puppies are brought onto the ice. <laughs> and they go from last place. How do you know this? I just, stupid <laughs> yeah, memory. This, this went way no, deep. All right, because there was a team fight. It was a legitimate fight at practice. Yeah. So they brought puppies in. I know how to in. solve this puppy. Yeah. When, when is that Simple not? Simple question, Stefan. Has he been suspended I, or not? I, I, I'm buying time because I have no idea. Jake, can you the look it up right now? But um, they get puppies in, right? And then they go on to go from last place to make the playoffs to first place before the year's over, make the playoffs. So you're win telling a me, Stefan, that the Islanders could have solved this blown third period lead thing if they just brought some puppies in to Northwell? Oh my God! I mean, yeah. Are what? you kidding me here? Yeah, I mean, they didn't. They were also weren't in last place and losing games every. And it felt la- yeah. like last place. It did, but you know, puppies <laughs> solve everything. They do. He was suspended. There you go. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Jake the Snake. What was the suspension? You know, Jake not from State Farm. Okay, ch-checking. There you go. So, four games. Right. Long-winded answer. Yes. Puppies. Yes, Leave pets out and of puppies. it next time. Yeah. Isle72 asks, this team is very different from the Trouts team. What do you think their identity is, and, and is it sustainable? Well, I mean, up until last week, I said their identity was was blowing third-period leads, and I, and I guess since they've kind of 
kind of gotten away from that in the last two games. I don't know, Stefan, maybe you have a better answer than I do, but now they're trying to get away from that. I'm not sure. It, again, I, I was kind of saying it before. I'm still trying to figure this team out because they're definitely playing a, a different style than when they did, even when they started winning their games later in the season last year when they were kind of going more Barry Trot style. And it was like a hybrid of what Lambert was trying to do in the early going in the season. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're definitely trying to score more goals. They are scoring more goals. And up until recently, the, they weren't able to kind of balance it with the defense. It seems like they've they've proven capable of balancing the defense with that now. And maybe that's what we'll see going forward where they're, they're a little more um, opportunistic while sacrificing the D a little bit, but holding down the fort with guys like Sorokin and Varlamov. Back yeah, there. I think their identity is just offensive rely- reliability. Is that even a saying? Offen- they're just offensively talented. We know that. And I think their identity is, I don't want to say outscore your opponents because of course you have to do that to win, <laughs> but it's definitely not defense. It's just not. Watching this game, the system, it's not because the defense has struggled way too much for that to be their identity anymore. And I think that's the biggest question is if it's not going to be defense, what is it? So I think it's going to be, you have to, this it's team has to, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress, yeah. but it's it's going to be a team, I think, come the end of this year that's just going to be early. They show early in games. Offense, like offensive mm-hmm. outburst early in games. Mm-hmm. And then add. That's really it. Because I don't think they're going to have the defensive talent to close these games out. I just don't, relying solely on defense. I think it's got to be, if they're going to win these games, it's going to be what they did against Columbus, where even if they don't score, keep that offensive mindset going for 60 minutes instead of 40 and then cutting it after that. They have to just, they're only going to win if they keep their offensive mind going the entire game. Yeah, I think that was Stefan and I's roundabout way of saying we're not sure what their idea is yet. Yeah, We have our very own Jake the Snake in the chat tonight. Uh-oh. Could have just talked to us. Oh, well. <laughs> Maybe we'll no. give him Human interaction. He's using the official format. Okay. He's, right. he's waiting in line like everybody else. He's what playing did, the roles. What did Jake not from State Farm have to say? <laughs> Jake the Snake asks, if Tavares gets his a thousand, thousandth point tomorrow at UBS, uh, what do you think the fan reaction will be in the building? Oh, a heavy rain of booze. Heavy rain. <laughs> maybe maybe a few claps here and there. Any levers? Any what? Levers. Levers? I don't think anybody's going to leave the building. Well, but, what I will uh, say is it depends if the Islander, if they get to the 1,000th point down 5-1 in the third period, like, no one's going to care. If his 1,000th point is the game-winning game winning goal in overtime, like, yeah, that changes things <laughs> that a little be, bit. Uh, yeah, heavy booze. I think it seems... Heavy booze. I think it's fair to say... I think I think it's fair to say Islander fans still aren't over that whole thing. They'll never be. Right? I mean, that's still... He's, he, he's probably still going to get booed when he touches the puck. Not that it's now. like the Poffin sucks thing, but, like, it will never end for Tavares. Until probably he retires. Yeah. And even when he, if he shows his face ever on Long Island again... Like, in person, no one's going to boo him. Like, people think, like, oh, yeah, they see him at the grocery store. Like, they'll boo him. They won't. I hate you. Yeah. They, they're not going to do that. But, like, if he comes to the arena when he retires, first of all, I don't know if they would ever bring him back. Like, in terms of, like, you know, they have the old mm, alumni come back. They. I think it's a little too. I, nah, right away. But they will. Yeah. They will. I mean, I, I like to think that one day Islander well, they fans should, will. One day Islander well, fans should get over peace it. with it. Yeah. It also depends if the Islanders win. At some right. point, you know, yeah. that like if the Leafs find a way to win a cup with Tavares before the Islanders find a way to win a cup with who they got, mm. like that sour taste will never leave their mouths. Yeah. Interesting question. Uh, the Wheel 89 asks a lot of Parise talk in the, uh, a few weeks ago, but it's been quiet ever since. Any update? Was there a lot of Parise talk a few weeks ago? I haven't heard a thing about him besides that he I was his name popping he, up. A he was bit. skating. That was right, it. Right. Right. Um, right. He, he was that. just skating. And I mean, is this is a guy, by the way. What is that? Is there any room for him? The question is, one, would he come to the Islanders right now? Just in terms of, would he want to go to a safer team? 
If he wants, I don't to think he's going anywhere other than the island, buddy. Well, if I thought he maybe back. I, again the fact that Jersey's fallen off. I thought maybe with the way they were started off out of the gate, like mm-hmm. goes back to Jersey where it all started, things like that. But okay. what I will say is for the Islanders, like sure you want his energy back, but like the fact that Holmstrom has played the way he has, and yeah, I, I wrote a story really about like him. not that he is Parise, they play a different style, but. Mm. He's on pace for over 20 goals. He's playing on the penalty kill. Him and Pajot have established some great chemistry. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could think of is Parise going on the top line just because of the hard work ethic to help that group. But then where does Lee go? Mm-hmm. Listen, I think they would certainly wouldn't say no if he said, I'm coming back. But I, I don't think, think it's a need as much as it might have been maybe before the season started. I think it would take some f- injuries at forward for it to happen yeah. at this point. That's that's how I look at it. Let's uh, Let's get one more in there, Ed. First time chatter just came in. Hey. Mr. John Price, 15, asks, basically, what is Nip? What is the mascot Nip? Ah. <laughs> what is that? It's a great ending. I'm, I'm glad you asked, actually. We might have addressed this before. But either way, <laughs> so so there was this gentleman on Twitter. He basically is a hockey fan, but he what he did was he ran all 32 teams through an AI. And he basically had the AI generate new mascots for all 32 teams. And uh, and he shared it with the world on Twitter, right? And so there was just a, a new mascot literally for every team, and they were just laugh-out-loud hilarious. <laughs> like most of the vast... Some were terrifying, and others were just, like, so hilarious. Like, I was literally in tears looking at some of these mascots, and so Nip was one of those guys. I thought he was hilarious. So uh, I ended up messaging him on the side and being like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> love your work. <laughs> and I was like, listen, you know, you mind if we have a little fun with Nip? You know, I might want to use him like as a mascot for the show or something like that. And he said, that's why I did it. He's like, have fun with it. You know, he gave us his blessing. And so I was like, awesome. So, uh, you know, look, we got Sparky up there. We got Niles up there. I, you know, I kind of like to clown around with the mascots and stuff. And I thought Nip was hilarious. So we kind of just brought him in. So, uh, you know, I think he's a funny guy. Brought him in. And that's pretty much the story. But uh, but thanks for asking, John. Love yeah. Nip. I think he's my favorite. Nip's tips. I got to bring him back. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. been quiet for yeah, a couple I mean, of weeks. But, you know, he looks like a Sesame Street character. Like, looks like Elmo. (laughs) Right? He's kind of like an amalgamation of, like, different Muppets or Sesame Street characters. I just love that Nip's what came out. Like, I don't know how any technology... I just don't know how any technology works in general, let alone AI. (laughs) You use the word Nip for, like, being cold. That's terminology. It's a bit nippy out, you know. It's cold ice. Nip, you know. It's a good point. Yeah. Or those uh, caramels, Nip's. You used to eat those? You ever have those? Yeah, Jake's nodding his head. He knows. I mean, I hate Sparky. I'm a Niles guy over Sparky. Listen, if we're talking Niles versus Sparky, Niles is obviously the winner. Well, Sparky came from the Long Island Dragons, the indoor arena football. Like, it wasn't for the Islanders. What did did Dragons have to do with Islanders? Well, that's the thing. He was a secondhand mascot for the Islanders. You know, he was was the New York Dragons mascot. That's why. Maybe to save a little cash, they over Sparky. They brought him over to the Islanders, and look, the kids love him. I get it, but I mean, you know, that was Niles' job, you know, and he, and he took it from him. You know, well, Niles sharing, had the job yeah. back in the 90s. Listen, I give the Islanders credit. I, I thought when they brought Niles back last year, it was just going to be a one-off for the uh, the reverse retro jersey. So I was very pleased to see that they were keeping him around. But I'm just waiting until Sparky has some sort of, like, you know, in-office controversy where uh, they end up having to let him go and Niles can take his job yeah. back well, full time. there needs yeah. to be a nip uh, revolution. Nip, Nip, hopefully can kind of get taken under the wing of, of Niles. You know what I mean? You bump Sparky out, let him go back to the Dragons or something like that. Yeah. Whatever it is, let him let him mascot some football. Is there even still an arena football league? I don't there? know. Right. Not at the college. Jake, do you know? You watch other sports. <laughs> <laughs> is arena? I don't. Is arena football just? They still do that? I don't know. Like box I lacrosse it was, is really big now. 
Yeah, like maybe, you can make, maybe you can mascot a, a lacrosse team. Yeah, I'm a Niles guy, but uh, there you go. That's the story behind Nip, and uh, I think I think we'll <laughs> I think we'll end it there. End on Nip. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Yes, folks. So want to send a big thanks out to you for tuning into Twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and listening later on your favorite podcast providers. A huge thanks to Nick Alberga for coming on, being a good sport, talking Toronto Maple Leafs and New York Islanders. And also want to send a big thanks, of course, to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu or order ahead at bluelinedeli.com. Also, big thanks to me. Main Street Board Game Cafe located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at MainSTBoardGameCafe.com. Also, sending a big thanks to Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law. Nobody likes going to court, but hey, if you have to, Razor and Kniff are ready to fight for you. Give them a call at 516-742-7600 for a free consultation. And of course, a big thanks to Jay Belsky and Floored Media here for turning on the lights, the cameras, uh, the microphones allowing us to have this wonderful show. Having a couch for Jake to sit on when he wakes up, I'll tell him you said so. A pair of headphones for Ed to wear while he hangs out behind the board here. So uh, big thanks to Floored Media, Stefan. Where can we find you on social media and the web? Yes, at Stefan underscore Rosner, S T E F E N underscore R O S N E R, the Hockey News Islander site, and NHL.com. There you go. You can follow myself on the Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show on all social media platforms at Hockey Night NY. And remember, folks, to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. If you missed the shows live on Twitch and you still want to watch, you can always subscribe to us on YouTube. We have all shows archived there, so you can check them out during the week 24 7 3. 65 so please do that if you haven't given us a review do that too that helps us out that helps spread the word so tell your friends tell your family all of that good stuff and without that out of the way for for jake the snake jay ed and mr stefan rosner i've been sean cuthbert we have been hockey night new york we will see you next week happy hanukkah happy hanukkah pal thank you there you go how Appreciate many days left i don't know i'm such a bad i'm so bad <laughs> okay all right <laughs> Fair enough. (laughs) Merry Chrysler.